I once had a chance to interview a man who trained lions for the movie studios. He even brought a lion with him to the interview. Talk about an experience. When our cameraman put down a piece of tape on the floor where I was supposed to stand, he wrote the word lunch on it. It's a good thing the lion couldn't read. When you get close to a lion, you realize how they became symbols of strength and bravery. And that's why we can live courageously. In one place, the Bible says that Jesus is like a lion, the lion of Judah. And when you put your faith and trust in him, his spirit comes to live on the inside of you. There's a lion on the inside of you that's waiting to get out. Are you ready to roar? Welcome to Living Courageously.
this is why, because my hope is in you. We sing that together. Say, I will not. Say, I will not be shaken. Oh, I will not be shaken. I will not be shaken. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. We are loved by God and his love is the sure foundation of our lives. The Bible says, cast all your cares, your worries, your anxieties on him because he cares for you. You matter to God. And we want to pray with you and for you right now. I'm here with Pastor Shelley, who's the head of our prayer team at the Cathedral of Faith. And I'm also joined by Brianna. She is, well, she grew up in the church. She's a parishioner here at the Cathedral of Faith. And she serves on the front lines in the fight against the coronavirus. She's a nurse up at Stanford Hospital. And so she's here to represent all of those in the medical field who are leading the charge, and winning the battle against this virus. We want to pray for you, and we want to pray for all those frontline workers. Pastor Shelley, would you lead us? We lock arms today, and we want to pray for you, you who are on the front lines. We want to pray that wherever you are today, that if you are feeling despair, that God would bring you hope. We want to pray today for every need that you have, that God would protect you, that God would keep you, that God would watch over you as you serve on the front lines. We want to pray for your families, that they would have peace. We want to pray for all those today that are suffering with this virus. Jesus is still the great physician. We want to pray that Jesus would heal every single person, that he would bring wholeness to every single person. God loves you today, and we pray that you would know his love more than anything else. We pray that God would do for you in this moment that which only he can do, that he would bring the strength, the peace, the restoration, the love, the comfort, everything that you need in this moment. We are believing God here at Cathedral of Faith that he would do that for you. So continue to be strong and courageous for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. Well, you matter to God and and you matter to us. We'd love to continue to pray for you. You could send your prayer request to us through social media or call the church office. We'd love to stand with you during this extraordinary season. In fact, our worship team, even now, want to sing a prayer over you.
Joining me now is marriage and family therapist, Mina Drake. Thanks for joining us, Mina. Hi, Pastor Ken. Great to be with you. It's so great to have you here. And, and I wanted to get some suggestions from you. We were already in an epidemic of anxiety in our culture. And then when the coronavirus hit, anxiety just went off the charts. And so from a therapist's point of view, what are some things that we can do to face the anxiety and overcome it right now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, first and foremost, it um, feels like it'd be helpful to share that it's okay that we're feeling anxious, to let that be okay. Um, it's, it's never proven helpful when we push feelings away, like I shouldn't mm. be feeling this way. And I think especially as a body of believers, like, oh, I should be a person of faith. I shouldn't be feeling this, right? So to first of all, acknowledge when we're feeling anxious and acknowledge how, like you're talking about, there is already this prevalence of anxiety in our culture, and then it would absolutely make sense with everything that's going on to feel more anxious. For those of us who are wrestling with it right now, what do, what do we do? What do we do with our anxiety? Absolutely. So the thing that I've learned about anxiety, both personally and professionally, a lot of it is based in this perceived threat. So trying to get ahead of this thing that we fear is going to happen. So it's very much with anxiety, we leave the moment 
right? So one of my favorite tips in terms of working with anxiety is, and you know me, I'm queen of the post-its. I live by them. So <laughs> I have these post-its that I keep in my office, in my car, everything. I don't know if you can see that, but it says, stay where your feet are, right? Yeah. So coming back to the now moment is really helpful, right? So it's just like when I start to feel anxiety, I'm like, okay, wait, where am I right now? Mm. Right? Am I like, oh my gosh, are my kids going to be able to go back to school in the fall? Am I going to, you know, am I yeah, going to have right. toilet paper? Right? So it's like, wait, come back here to come back to this now moment. What's another post-it note you have for us? <laughs> yes, I know. Let me grab another one. And these are real. These are my post-it notes. My <laughs> next one is no pre-worrying. Can you see that? No yeah, pre-worrying. Yeah. So again, it's this notion of the what ifs and the worries, right? And so it's interesting. I was listening to a talk recently and about worry, and they said that the root of the word worry it's, it's the root of the word is strangle. Mm. So to strangle the, the, the okayness out of this moment, to strangle the experience of God's grace out of this moment, right? So when we're worrying, it's not productive. Our body, again, doesn't know the difference. This perceived threat, this nightmare that I've created, then my body starts to go into hyperdrive to try and combat that thing that's not even happening. My third post-it is, act and you'll see the word act is underlined act like god's in charge mm. right yeah because it is it goes back to that notion of sometimes i i don't i don't have those thoughts right they're not but it's like if i want to get to that place of trusting let me act like it you know you and i are both movie buffs we love the theater right yeah, <laughs> so right. it's like when i close my my ears or watch myself like a silent movie do I look like I believe something is bigger than me, is taking care of me and all mm. the world, has got a plan for all of this? And so what does it look like if I am to act that out and trust that my thoughts and feelings will follow my behaviors rather than the opposite, right? I don't have to wait for my thoughts and feelings to be in alignment for me to change my behavior. I can change it in a moment. Well, Mina, thanks so much for, for taking the time to be with us. Stay safe. Stay strong. And, well, continue to be courageous. Thank you yes, for all you're doing. Too. You know, each week we've been given an update on uh, what's been happening with the massive need for those who are food insecure and how our food program, Reaching Out, has been scaling up with our partners to help meet that need. We'll take a look at what's been happening. It's good to be able to give back. The whole experience here is to give back and to represent Christ in the best way possible, and this is a good way to do it. It's to walk the way Jesus walked, which was to help everybody in need. Isn't it amazing? what God is doing through reaching out a Cathedral of Faith? Did you notice the two views in that video? There's the big picture from up above with hundreds and hundreds of cars lining up on our property. And then there's the big personal. In each car is a family. There's thousands and thousands of people coming, but every single one of them have the same line in their story. And this is it. I was hungry. I had no food, and Cathedral of Faith fed me. <laughs> Look what the Lord has done. This is Cathedral of Faith, where everybody's welcome, where nobody's perfect, where the love is definitely being lived out, and where anything is, let me say that again so you can declare that in your household, where anything is, 
Amen and amen. With the beginning of 2020, we had some big vision goals, 2020 goals. And when Pastor Ken first shared them, I have to admit, I thought they were way too big for us. One of them was that we would make 100,000 of our neighbors aware of Cathedral of Faith. One of them was that we'd have 6,000 new guests come to our services. One of them was that 3,000 new people would come to Christ. One of them was that we'd give out $15 million worth of food this year. And one of them was that we'd have 200 new people serving. Well, big goals, big picture, and then coronavirus. And you think, oh no. But the reality is, oh yes. Because the big personal is this. Every week we have our service on NBC Channel 11. And they told us this week that we've been in 675,000 homes. Whew! Can you imagine? That's far more than we could have imagined at the beginning of the year, even though we thought 100,000 was a big number. We've had well over 6,000 guests between Facebook and online, our live stream, and going to YouTube, and going to Vimeo, and going to NBC, well over 6,000. We have had every week new people show up to serve at Cathedral of Faith, well more than 200 people additional serving. And last week alone, we gave out $1 million worth of food. We're well on our way to 15 million. Look what the Lord has done. That's the big picture, but let me tell you the big personal. A lady from East San Jose shared how her father was watching the East San Jose service and raised his hand for salvation. That's a big personal. Our mail carrier at Cathedral of Faith from Malaysia, a Buddhist, came to Jesus. These are the stories, the big personals that are happening as we see the big picture of God at work. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 3, in the message translation, you read these words. God can do anything you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. That's the big picture God can do anything. Nothing's impossible with him. But here's the big personal. That verse goes on to say this. God can do anything far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it by working within us. His spirit deeply and gently within us. You see, God can do anything. That's the big picture. But the big personal is he chooses you and me. And in this moment, as we prepare to bring our gifts to the Lord, our tithes and offerings, we become part of the big personal. You get to be part of what God's doing. You may be saying, Pastor Wayne, I don't have very much. Well, you know, that reminds me of a story when Jesus was out on the hillside with thousands and thousands of people who had no food, just like we're dealing with. But one young man had enough food for himself. And he gave what he had that was enough for him, and God multiplied it, and thousands were met. God wants to meet you and take what's in your hand that you can be part of us blessing our community, serving our community, and living out the love. So whether you have $5 or $5,000 or $500 or $50, God's asking each one of us to take what we have and do the big personal so that he can meet the big picture of touching our community. I want to speak God's blessing on you as you prepare to give. You can see at the bottom of the screen the number to text your information to if you would like to give. You can give in that way, and that's a great opportunity for you to be part of this moment. Or you can go to our church website, you can go to our app, you can drop by our church office, you can send it to the church office, or if you call us, we'll come by and pick up your loaves and fishes. We want you to be part of the big personal of this moment of seeing what God can do. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you know every home. I ask that you would make your power, your presence, your healing, your strength known in each household. Show them your favor. Show them your grace. Show them your blessing. Show them what you can do through them. Let them know that you are with them. Lord, you are a personal God. And make that big personal with each person right now as they connect with you and offer what you've placed in their hands because you were doing this for the big picture. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen and amen. 
Well, Dan and Carol are coming to minister to at this time, a song that tells us who we are and how God sees us.
How do you keep your song during testing times? There's a stress test called the Homes and Rays Stress Scale. And what they've done is they've assigned a number to different life events to give a person a feel for how much stress they are under. For example, if you get fired from work, that's 47 points worth of stress. If you have a change in your financial status, that's 38 points worth of stress. If you get married, that's 50 points worth of stress. Does that seem a little bit low to you? If you have trouble with the in-laws, that's 29 points worth of stress. I can skip that one because that never happens to me. If you have an outstanding personal achievement, that's 28 points worth of stress. Unfortunately, I can skip that one too. If there's a change in church activities, it's 19 points worth of stress. I can probably double that one with all the changes we've had happening around here. Here's the question I want you to think about. If you were to take that test and add up all the numbers, would you need a pencil or would you need a calculator? The stress that you're under right now. I mean, how many points is it to be in the middle of an epidemic? In the midst of all of this stress and pressure, how do we keep our calm? How do we keep our song? in a testing time. The words from Psalm 23 help us to find our way. It reads, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup, it overflows. Surely goodness and love will chase after me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. This is the key to keeping your song in a testing time. There is the connection that we have with our shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I read about these two men who were going to be reading the 23rd Psalm during a church service. The first man that got up, he was a, he was a seasoned actor and he, he stood up and he delivered the 23rd Psalm with great oratory skill. He just killed it. And the people went crazy and were shouting encore, encore. The second man that got up, he was a little old man that walked up to the stage and he read the 23rd Psalm And there was something very different, even though he didn't have the oratory skill, as he read, it was very personal and profound. And the congregation was silent. The actor came up when the old man was through and he said, the difference between us is this. I know the Psalm, but he knows the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. A personal pronoun is a very big deal. He doesn't say the Lord is a shepherd or the Lord is the shepherd, even though both of those things are true. Instead, he says, the Lord is my shepherd, and it takes things to a whole different level. And it's one thing to say there is a dad. There's another thing to say there is my dad. You know, it's one thing to say, well, there is a grandson. It's another thing to say, there is my grandson. It's one thing to say, well, there is a wife. It's another thing to say, there is my wife. Wait a second, that's not my wife. Here, there's my wife. I sure married up. 
There's something about a personal pronoun. And that's the kind of connection that we have with God. The Lord is my shepherd. One of the unique things about this passage is that in most of the other 200 places where God is referred to in the Bible as a shepherd, you don't find that personal pronoun. But in this psalm, you do. In this psalm, it invites you into a relationship with God, a connection that is so personal. And when you lean into that connection, that is the way that you take back your song. As you lean into that connection, the Lord is my shepherd. And you get to know him. You get to know his character and his nature. You get to know his presence and his power. You get to know his heart and his mind and his voice. The Lord is my shepherd. You get to know him. You know him and he knows you. Jesus said this, he said, my sheep know my voice and I know them and they follow me. He knows us. Sometime in the world, we can feel like a number. I mean, think about it. We have a driver's license number and a social security number and a, well, a tax number. And when they list coronavirus cases, they're always talking numbers. And in this world of numbers, Jesus says, you're more than a number, you have a name. He knows your name. In the first century, it's interesting that the, the shepherds, they knew their sheep. They had a name for each of their sheep. They had, well, they knew their tendencies and their dispositions. I, I found a picture of a first century sheep that says, if you need me, I'll be at Guitar Center. You know, the, the, the shepherd would know he had this kind of sheep. And Jesus knows us. He knows all about us. He knows who we are. He knows what we're like. He knows the good, the bad, and even the ugly. I heard about this one little boy who was sitting in his mom's lap and she was reading him a bedtime story. And at the end, he said to her, mom, I love you. And the mom said, how can you love someone who's so fat and ugly? And the boy said, oh, mom, you're not fat and ugly. You're fat and pretty. God knows the good, the bad, and the ugly. He knows our very worst, and yet he loves us best. St. Augustine said this about God's love. He said, God loves each one of us as if there were only one of us. And when you lean into this, the Lord is my shepherd. I know him and I know that he knows me. You're on your way to taking back your song. There's the purpose that you find in the shepherd. Jesus once looked at the multitudes and the Bible says this about that moment. When he looked out over the crowds, his heart broke. So confused and aimless they were like sheep with no shepherd, aimless. There was another kind of virus before the coronavirus in the Bay Area. I call it the hurry virus. Everybody in the Bay Area is always in a hurry. If there's one good thing that has come out of this Bay Area shutdown is it's forced us to slow down enough to reflect on the direction that our lives are headed? Am I living a life of significance? Or is there a sense of aimlessness about my life? What the shepherd does is he helps us to lock into our sense of purpose. I love Charlie Brown. And in one Charlie Brown comic, he goes to Lucy and he says, Lucy, 
I need to find a purpose in life. And Lucy says, oh, it's not that hard, Charlie Brown. Life is like an ocean liner and everybody is on it. And some people, they take their chair and they face it toward the bow of the ship. Other people take their chair and they face it toward the side of the ship. Other people take their chair and they face it toward the back of the ship. Which way is your chair facing Charlie Brown? And Charlie says, Lucy, I can't even get my chair unfolded. Maybe that's how you feel. Is that you are having a hard time getting your chair unfolded. The good shepherd wants to meet you in this moment. He can lead and guide and direct you to a life of significance, a life of purpose. He helps us to get our chairs unfolded. In our friend Rick Warren's book, The Purpose Driven Life, Rick talks about there being three levels of living. He says the first level is what you could call survival. It's when we get up, go to work, go home, go to bed. We get up, go to work, go home, go to bed. We do the same thing day after day, week after week. We're grinding it out. Life is a daily grind and we're just trying to survive. And maybe before the disruption, that's where you would say your life was at. There's another level called success. And this is when you're doing pretty well. You're a high achiever. And yet, when you go to bed at night and you stare at the ceiling, you wonder, is life about more than corner offices and bigger homes and nicer cars? And then there's what he calls the level of significance. This is where you know where you're going. You know why you're here. You're being who you were created to be, doing what you were created to do, making your mark on the world. And what the good shepherd does is he helps us to move from just surviving or just success all the way to living a life of significance so that we can make our mark on the world. Did you know there's a mark for you to make and you are the only one that can make it? But when you're connected to the shepherd and he's leading and guiding and directing you down life's path, he shows you how to make your mark on the world. And that can help you to take back your song. He helps you to get your chair unfolded. We see people making their mark all around the Bay Area as people are loving their cities and serving their cities in all kinds of ways, sharing the love of God with our community. That's what it looks like to live a significant light. God helps us to get our chair unfolded and live a life of purpose. And when you wake up every day, with that sense, I'm going to make my mark on the world that only I can make. That's the way you take back your song. Then there is the protection of the shepherd. One thing you will never see is a militarized sheep. You may see it on the internet, but in real life, a sheep doesn't really have a defense system. Other animals, they have things like tusks and fangs. But a sheep, all it has is fur. What's it going to do, rub you to death? A sheep is dependent upon the shepherd for its protection. And yet that is enough. The Bible says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. He protects me from danger. Whom shall I fear when God is my shepherd, I lean into his protection. There's a lot of talk today about personal protective equipment, that we're wearing things like masks and gloves and gowns and 
In fact, here at Cathedral of Faith, we're going to be having a mobile testing site. And all of those on the front line will wear all of that equipment. And I encourage you, whatever equipment you're wearing, make sure you add another piece of equipment to it. Psalm 28 reads this way. It says, the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and he helps me. He helps me. See, when God is your shepherd, it doesn't matter what kind of wolves show up at your door. He can defend you. He can protect you. He has you in the palm of his hand. Jesus once described himself as the good shepherd. And he talked about his sheep this way. In John chapter 10, he said, no one shall snatch my sheep away from me. For my father has given them to me. And he is more powerful than anyone else. We can't shake hands now, but a day is coming when we will be able to shake hands because we're, well, we're creatures with a body and we've been made to shake hands and to hug. And when we start shaking hands, you'll find different kinds of grips. There'll be people with soft grips, but then you'll meet that one guy with that vice grip. And that's the kind of grip that Jesus has on you. I'm so grateful for the strength of his hands because when it comes to my hands, I love Jesus. I really do. And there are times my hands are strong and I have a firm grip on him. But there are other times my hands grow weak and tired and I'm so grateful that in those moments, it's not about my grip. It's about the grip that he has on me. He has me in his hands and he will not let me go. How strong are the hands of Jesus? Well, no demon in hell can snatch you out of his hand. No darkness from hell can snatch you out of his hand. No virus from hell can snatch you out of his hand. He has you in his hand and he simply will not let you go. When you know you're in the hands of Jesus, there's security in the hands of Jesus. There's safety in the hands of Jesus. There's confidence in the hands of Jesus. There's courage in the hands of Jesus. He has us in his hands he will not let us go. He is our shepherd, our defender, our protector. And when we lean into that protection, would you do that today? The Bible says in Exodus, the Lord is my strong defender. He is the one who has saved me. The psalmist writes, God's your guardian right at your side to protect you. And Psalm 18 reads, the Lord is my rock. He is my fortress and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. Lean in to the protection of the shepherd. That's how you can live courageously. I grew up just a few blocks from where our church is located in San Jose. And when I was going to school, well, two of the schools I went to, one became a condo complex and the other became a shopping center. I guess it was so hard. I was so hard on the teachers that they had to shut the school down after I left. But when I was a little guy, I, I, was, I was a little guy, I was small. And that's what kept me from pursuing an athletic career. You had to have size and of course you had to have talent and I didn't have either. But I learned something strategic when I was a little guy growing up in the jungle of kiddom. And that was this, if you're small and you're gonna survive, you gotta have a big friend. And so I found a big friend. He lived right around the corner from me. He was a head taller than every other kid. He grew early. 
He was one of those guys when he pitched on the baseball field and he stepped towards you, he was halfway toward the plate. And when I was with my big friend, I was not afraid. I wasn't afraid of any bully that would show up because I knew if they tangled with me, they'd have to tangle with him. And that awareness that Jesus is your friend, he's your elder brother, he's your defender, your protector, he has you in his hand and he will not let you go. That is the key to keeping your calm, to taking back your song. The Lord is my shepherd and I lack nothing. So here's the question. Have you put your faith and trust in Jesus? Is he your good shepherd? He can be. He loves you. The Bible said, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. He loved you so much that he laid down his life to get his hands on you. That's the kind of shepherd he is. I invite you right where you're at, say this prayer after me, and you can begin that relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, I receive you as my savior. I make you Lord of my life. I put you in charge. Thank you for loving me like you do, making me a part of your family. I am a part of, well, the fold, and you are my shepherd. If you prayed that prayer, you may wonder, what do I do next? Well, here are three things. First of all, start to pray. Talk to God. Use the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, the Lord's Prayer. Start to read a Bible. Read the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and get to know Jesus, the good shepherd in those books. And then finally, find a church that's located near you. Eventually, we'll be past this virus. And, well, it'll be a great thing to plug into a local church. There are great pastors all around the Bay Area. And I encourage you to get involved in the local church. Thanks again for well, making that decision to follow Jesus. And right now, Manuel Romero, he sang this a couple of months ago in a sermon series that was titled Courageous. And I thought it would be a blessing to you. Here he is singing, Go the Distance. And we're all winning today because we have Jesus in our heart. Amen. a far off place where a hero's welcome would be waiting for me where the crowds would cheer when they see my face and a voice keeps saying this is where I'm meant to be I'll be there someday I can go the distance I will find my way If I can be strong I know every mile Will be worth my while When I go the distance I'll be That road may walk 
When we go the distance, go the distance, I'll be right where I belong. Praise God. Thank you for joining us for today's program. It is such an awesome privilege to come into your home. We'd love to hear from you and you can contact us on our church website. And don't forget next week at the same time, we'll be bringing this message of faith and hope and courage again. Well, right now I'd like to introduce you to one of my friends. He pastors here in the Bay Area as he comes and shares the benediction with us. Well, thank you for joining us all across the beautiful San Francisco Bay Area. If we haven't met, my name is Steve Madsen and I pastor at Cornerstone Fellowship in the East Bay. And I'm asking you now, hold out your hands to receive this blessing. And now the Lord bless you and the Lord keep you and the Lord's face shine upon you and give you peace. May the Lord release you of anxiety and fear. May he protect you from this terrible pestilence outside of our doors. May he remind you to act in protective ways toward others, but not to avoid people, to reach out whatever way you can in healthy ways so that we can be one in the San Francisco Bay Area. We are a strong people and we will get through this with God's help. And that's the help I bless you with now. May the helper be your strength. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. This is unprecedented times, but this is a time for the church to shine. A great opportunity, and uh, we're going to have a beautiful day being able to bless probably 2,000 uh, families today.